This is Yoga Chit Chat. Hi, Carrick. Hi, Phoebe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I am looking forward to getting into today's topic. Oneness is what we are going to be discussing today. Maybe a term that you've heard in yoga or in philosophy comes up in various capacities. And Carrick and I thought it would be interesting to explore because as much as oneness comes up in various conversations, it's something that maybe we don't define or, or know the exact definition of. Um, so there's a lot to unpack here. Carrick, I'm going <laughs> to let you kick it off. Uh, Can we start with a joke? Please. What did the yogi order at the pizza place? <laughs> I, I don't know. Make me one with everything. <laughs> Super right. funny joke. Um, I forget where I heard it first. I love that one. It really encapsulates our themes. So the theme of oneness is that we are one with everything. Everything is one. And it's a big topic. And it really underlies everything that we do in Anusara Yoga. It's the groundwork of tantric philosophy, non-dual philosophy. And so I guess we should probably start there. There are two main streams of yoga philosophy, classical yoga and non-dual yoga philosophy. Classical yoga is dualistic. So everything is put into two very broad categories, spirit and everything else. So you have the, the unmanifest world, the world of, I'm just going to say spirit for now. And then you have everything else. We can call it the material world or the manifest world. And the two are very separate. They don't really commingle or they're two separate substances or separate layers of existence. In the non-dual yoga philosophy, which is the backbone of Anusara and, and Tantra, in the non-dual yoga philosophy, everything is one substance or one thing. And I like to say that everything is spirit. That begs the question, then, if everything is spirit, then why do I experience myself as being very physical? Why do I experience myself as being separate if everything is one? And then that question can be answered in a couple of different ways. So that's the main way that I think about oneness in terms of what does that mean? Oneness really means that everything is one substance and because everything is one substance, so are we, and we're a part of that one universe. So we are one with everything. What first comes to mind for you when you think about oneness? When I think about oneness, I like to bring it back down to earth as much as possible because these concepts can get pretty abstract. Oneness to me is the idea and you said this before, that, that everything is spirit. Everything is the same thing. And to use a metaphor, I think of it as everything being created from one brick of clay. So everything comes from this same type of substance. 
Now what happens is you can pinch off pieces of clay and sculpt them into different forms. So you can sculpt them to make a human form into an animal form, into sky and water and air and elements and all of these different things. Yet at their core, it still comes from the same foundational element of clay. Whereas in a more dual perspective, there is the belief that there are two two separate foundational substances and some things come from one and other things come from another. So I guess you could say, you know, some things come from clay and other things come from a substance like cork or something like that. And, and so oneness is the idea that everything comes from the same foundational element. And then from that, we remember that we are connected to everything that we can see and also can't see. So like you said, the, the manifest and the unmanifest, the material and the immaterial. Just from a scientific perspective, if we want to go all the way back to the beginning of the universe, depending on what you believe, the universe starts with a big bang and everything springs forth from that one source, from that one moment in time. We have particles in our bodies that are connected to that first opening of the universe. And so everything's coming from that one source, like your clay example. I like to think of that one source as water. Water is comprised of two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom to create the H2O molecule. That's the source. And then the material can be experienced in different textures. We can experience H2O as water, as a liquid. We can experience H2O as a solid, as ice. Or we can experience H2O as a gas or a vapor, as steam. It's all H2O. It's all the same thing. But we experience that source, substance, in different forms. So we can think of even our bodies as the most solid form, similar to ice, and then maybe our thoughts are something that's less solid, more fluid, like water. And then our our hearts or our spirits, our consciousness is that most esoteric form, something like the vapor or like steam. And it's all us, body, mind, and spirit, just in, in different forms, experiencing our existence on different levels. The one source is really important. For me, as a yoga teacher, this is really important because it makes everything that we do on the mat and off the mat, potentially anyway, a spiritual practice. Doing Warrior Two is no more or no less spiritual than sitting and meditating in your head. Doing a handstand is no more or less spiritual than chanting a mantra for an hour. Because everything is from that same source, spirit, then everything has this potential for being a, a spiritual practice. And this is a pretty big differentiator for the, the tantric or non-dual philosophies versus the classical philosophies. I love that you used the water example. I was thinking of that before we, we started talking as well. And water is such a cool 
microcosm of the macrocosm of of spirit and oneness. It's like water is this very tangible experience of oneness that we interact with every day. We all experience water in all of its forms in the same way that we experience spirit in all of its form. In thinking about oneness, I also want to take it a step farther. You know, you were saying that being in handstand can be just as spiritual as chanting. I would take it to the next level and say that grocery shopping and and talking with friends and working on your car, some of the things that we would regard as the least spiritual things in this from this vantage point of oneness, those are spiritual practices as well. And those are things that for me as a yoga teacher, as I continue to, you know, experience yoga in life that open up to me. And and really I I always realize that frustration comes when we are experiencing what we believe to be separation from spirit, that what we're doing actually isn't our yoga practice. So all if I'm doing something frustrating, you know, billing or paperwork, I'll, I'll feel like, oh, this isn't spiritual, so it's not fun. It's not connecting me. And then sometimes it's as simple as me just remembering to breathe while I'm working on it. And then while I'm working on it, I'll have some experience of, of looking at the way that the bill is laid out or I'll make some connection. And that's where the idea of oneness really ties life together in such a beautiful way because you can have these really spiritual experiences in the mundane, which mm-hmm. to me is, is one of the coolest aspects of, of tantric philosophy. I think that you mentioned while you're working on that bill, it's just remembering to breathe. And from a philosophical standpoint, the reason that we don't always experience oneness is simply that we've forgotten. We've forgotten that we are spirit on all levels, that our our bodies, our minds, and our hearts are sourced from the same place, and we've just forgotten. So then yoga becomes this practice, and I think we've said this on the podcast before, yoga is this practice of remembering, remembering who we are at the core, remembering the source, remembering our connection to everything around us and to each other and to our deepest selves. Right. It's a reminder that there are no exceptions. Everything is from that original clay brick or the original group of of particles and matter and energy. And and our our darkest moments are the ones where we have forgotten. And then our moments of sometimes we use the word awakening are simply those revelations of, oh, this is a part of the whole of the whole game. Within the philosophy, the way that oneness is experienced as diversity is different depending on on the philosophical take. The way that I like to look at it, we experience ourselves as different from one another. We experience all of the multiplicity and diversity in life because the one consciousness or the one universe chooses to divide and subdivide and break off little pieces of clay 
and create animals and you and me and really everything in the universe. And she does that out of her own accord, out of her own free will. And consciousness is creating this vast play of creation, sustenance and destruction. And that cycle is happening over and over again uh, because she chooses to, to manifest everything, everything in the universe. To me, it's such a beautiful way to think about how the one becomes the many, not because it's forced to or because it has to, but because consciousness becomes everything out of her own free will. And this is very similar to something that we do every day. As human beings, we have different roles to play in our lives. So all day, I'm still me. But I play different roles. I play the role of a husband. I play the role of a yoga teacher. I'm a brother. I'm a son. And depending on who I'm talking to, I take on a different role and I shift a little bit and I'm someone else, quote unquote. Um, But at the core, at the heart of it, it's still me. I'm just shifting into different roles and, and becoming a different person for a moment. And similarly, consciousness experiences herself by taking on all of the different roles in the universe. And then we experience our lives through the different roles that we take on in our, in our lives. And consciousness desires to experience everything possible. And we too desire to experience life to the fullest, to experience life on all levels and get the most out of life. Everybody wants that. Yes, this has a lot of a lot of applications and as humans we we are creatures of habit so we do appreciate routines and habits and rituals and simultaneously we are microcosms of the universe we are mini versions of the universe which means that we are infinite and and in that in that as our identity we have the ability and the desire to manifest into different forms in the same way that we go to yoga to do a sequence of different poses and not the same pose over and over again, we have the desire to take on many different roles. And in life, in a very sort of grounded instance of this, we we just get bored when we're playing the same role over and over and over again. And it's that our essence desires to manifest into, into different clay formations, which is why just as a person, it's great to try new things, to switch up your route to work, to try a new, style of food to to do things that introduce variety in in the manifestation of experience i love your definition or your notion of we are a microcosm of the macrocosm so we are simply condensed or compressed versions of the bigger consciousness. So we are just small, smaller versions, no less in quality, just smaller in quantity. 
consciousness wants to experience as much as possible. And because we're just smaller versions of consciousness, we want to experience as much as possible. And so we shift roles, we change, and we, we all want to get the most out of life. No one wants to live exactly the same day over and over again forever. We all want to experience a, a new day, something, something fresh, something new, something different. And it's because of that connection to the one spirit that we have those same desires. I also like in the view that we are smaller versions of the bigger universe. We, we attribute in the philosophy, we attribute different attributes to the universe, to the one spirit, things like fullness and beauty, things like consciousness and bliss we attribute those same things to ourselves. So we have the capacity for those very same things, beauty and fullness and consciousness and bliss, because it's it's already a part of us, because we're a part of that same source. Then our lives become about remembering, refining, and discovering those same attributes in ourselves that we we see in the universe at large. I was introduced to the the idea of, of connection to, to all things um, by a, a vegan restaurant owner who started explaining to me one day that foods that come from the earth, so fruits and vegetables, are, they have the little clues, they contain clues rather, of, of how they will help us. So for example, strawberries are shaped like little hearts and they're good for your heart. Mm. Kidney beans are good for your kidneys. Celery, which looks like your bones, is good for your bones. And if you chop up carrots into little disc shapes, they look like the pupil of your eye, and carrots are really good for your eyes. And I remember my head kind of exploding when he was telling me all of this because it's it's a reminder, a, a remembrance of oneness. There is this notion that humans are kind of residents of this world, of this experience that is separate. And yet, we're all, once again, we're all from the same ball of clay, which is why there are these little clues and these little connections that remind us of our foundational relationship to everything. So that was a, a really one of my favorite reminders of connection. And and we see it. In, in so many other manifestations as well. What other things remind you of oneness? People, for one. We have issues with people when we believe that they are different or separate from us. We have tolerance and reverence for people when we remember that they are the same as us. And I just read a little passage that really resonated with me. It said something along the lines of, we all contain a little portion of the same collective wound that creates mm. suffering. And so, and and it's the, the idea that we're the only ones suffering with whatever we're going through that makes us really suffer which is why community as, as such an integral part of Anusara is so 
is so important because it reminds us that we're all going through the same things on our mats. We may come to the mats with, with different flavors of issues. So, you know, I might have a hip issue and you might have a bicep issue and all, and it, it goes on and on. And we are coming together to work through the different manifestations of, of how that wound has affected us. And so it's in remembering that we all have a piece of the same clay mm-hmm. that brings us together. And, and so oneness really helps me remember when I am having trouble with people that it's just a belief that they're not clay. How about you? How does oneness play into your sort of day-to-day experience? In the yoga practice on the mat, you mentioned something similar that we feel very separated and isolated at times. And I think that happens for a lot of yoga students when they're when they're doing yoga because everyone has their own two by six yoga mat, their own defined space, and they can feel like they're very much alone on the mat and sometimes being challenged, quote unquote, suffering on the mat by themselves. And when when students remember to, and I'll instruct them to do some of these things, to breathe together, to listen to each other breathing, to remember that everyone is experiencing something similar, the front thigh is on fire in Warrior Two or whatever, then there's like a, a strength that comes from remembering their connection to one another, that that they're all in it together, that they all really want the same thing out of the yoga practice and out of life. Another thing that we often teach in yoga is that the back body is the universal body. The front body is the individual, represents the individual or our personal space. So mostly we take selfies from the front. We check ourselves in the mirror from the front. From the back, we're less individual and more universal. So we've all had that experience where you see someone from behind at the grocery store and you think it's your friend and you go up and tap them on the shoulder and then they turn around and you see them from the front. You're like, oh my gosh, that's not who I thought it was. So the back body represents the universal body because we're all more similar. And so without the... Uh, differentiation or the personalization of the front body, it's it's just a reminder of how similar we are. We all have, as human beings, we all have roughly the same number of bones in our bodies. We have similar structure in our bodies. We come in different sizes and shapes and colors, of course, but structurally, the average human being is very much like the, the next human being uh, on the yoga mat or in line at the grocery store. We're very similar. And so may that connection or that similarity remind us of oneness. Another thing that makes me, that reminds me of oneness is the weather. There are different weather patterns in different places at the moment. So where in some places it's gloomy and in some places it's sunny and and weather to me is is kind of this metaphor for the individualization of people but beyond the the differences in the weather there is the same atmosphere behind mm-hmm. it 
And so even though right now it's it's separated and divided into different weather experiences into different places, mm-hmm. there is still a oneness behind it. And often I, I liken the weather to emotions because it moves and it changes and it's fluid, but behind it is, is space, which is which is constant. And that to me is, is kind of a metaphor for, for consciousness or soul or, or whatever kind of resonates for you. So yeah, weather is a reminder of the connection. That's really beautiful. In that metaphor, it's really a reminder that oneness is taking a look at things from the bigger picture, stepping back and seeing all of the weather across the planet as sourced from one atmosphere. And I think that's really important to to be able to take that step back and see everything as connected from that larger point of view. The other really beautiful teaching from oneness for me is if everything is spirit, if everything is consciousness, if, if everything is from this one source, then that means that other philosophies, religions, opinions are also spirit-filled, are also consciousness, are also just different portions of the clay that have been broken off and molded into a separate opinion, a separate religion, a separate philosophy. This makes tantric philosophy and the non-dual philosophies, it makes them very accepting of other philosophies and of other systems. As a yoga teacher, I don't think that Anusara yoga is the only way to do yoga. Of course not. Consciousness has manifested as other styles of yoga, other philosophies, and they're all equally valid, just as good as Anusara yoga. It, it levels the playing field. It takes away a need to be right or to be the best or to be the only style or philosophy because everything comes from that same source. Everything comes from that same clay. Another thing that reminds me of oneness or helps me remember oneness is there's there's kind of one process that exists and i think of it as as birth and death and so of course there's for humans there and animals and and different beings there's there's birth there's life and there's death and then you look at each day every day is born and then there's you know some stuff that happens in the middle and then the day dies in the night and then you can pull that all the way down to the breath every Mm. inhale is a birth and every exhale is a death and so that to me is kind of the smallest it probably goes smaller than that but what's coming to mind is the breath being this sort of smallest manifestation of that and then the birth and death of the universe being the largest and of course we don't really know or completely understand the birth and death mm-hmm. of the universe. But in that, it's still the same process. And everything that happens in between is some manifestation of that process. Every every work project has a birth, a middle part, and a death. Yeah. Every relationship has a birth, a middle part, and a death. Everything has it. And so in that it gives us context and it, it reminds us that nothing 
from this perspective is an exception to the one, which is helpful when you're going through challenges on your mat or in your life to remember that you aren't an exception. You're going through a process, a pose that has really been there since the beginning of time mm -hmm. and will and will persist until the end. May we continue to remember that we're all connected. Any other applications of oneness that are coming to mind since it's, you know, everything? I think just the parting thought for me, and we touched on it already a little bit, is just that because we're all one, we all really want the same thing out of life. And I think we forget that very often. We see difference in the world because consciousness has chosen to create diversity and multiplicity, and that's a beautiful thing. But sometimes as human beings, we get hung up on our differences and we're at odds with other people, other countries, other political affiliations. And, and we forget that really when it comes down to it, we all, we all just want to continue to learn and grow. And we all just want to be happier in life. And I know we've said this before on the podcast over and over. It's really comes down to consciousness and bliss. We all want more of that for ourselves and for our loved ones. But we just forget that that's what everybody wants. And when we forget that we're that we are one, when we forget our connection to others, then that's when we have problems in the world. And right now that we're we're very divided as a country in the US. So may we start to remember that we're all from that same source. <laughs>